0: Attorney General Garland, let, let me just ask you, d- does your department have a problem with anti-Catholic bias?
1: Uh, our department um, is uh, 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 protects all religions um, and all ideologies. It does not have uh, any uh, bias against any religion of any kind.
0: Well you could have surprised me because given the resources that you are expending and the apparently intelligence assets that you are deploying against Catholics, it appears, and other people of faith, while simultaneously turning a blind eye while people are executed gang-style in the streets of our cities, including in my home state, I, your answer frankly surprises me. Let's talk about the Mark Hout case, for example. You've been asked about this already today, and frankly, your answers really astound me. This is a case where a Catholic pro-life demonstrator father was accused of disorderly conduct in front of an abortion center. The local prosecutor, the Philadelphia district attorney, who is a Democrat, a liberal, very progressive, declined to prosecute. There was a private suit that got dismissed. And then after all of that, your Justice Department sent between 20 and 30 armed agents in the early morning hours to the Houck's private residence to arrest this guy after He had offered to turn himself in voluntarily. Here's the photo once again. You can see the long guns. You can see the ballistic shields. You can see that they're wearing bulletproof vests. Why did the Justice Department do this? Why did you send 20 to 30 SWAT-style agents and a SWAT-style team to this guy's house when everybody else had declined to prosecute and he'd offered to turn himself in?
1: Determinations of how to make arrests under arrest warrants are made based uh, by the tactical operators um, in the uh, district. They are not. But
0: you surely looked into it by this point, right? They you you know the answer,
1: surely. They all I know is what uh, the FBI has said, which is that they made decisions on the ground as to what was safest and easiest. So you do not agree with your description. Of what happened on the scene.
0: You don't agree with my description. I'm pointing out what the photo is. There are agents here who have long guns and ballistic shields. Let's take a look at the hardened criminals that your Justice Department sent these armed agents to go terrorize on that morning. Here they are. Here they are at mass.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Our Interesting Times. It's my pleasure to have e. Michael Jones, back on the show. Uh, of course, Dr. Jones is the editor of Culture Wars Magazine, the author of many books, including the most recently published The Dangers of Beauty, The Conflict Between Mimesis, Concupiscence, and the Fine Arts. Uh, Dr. Jones, how are you doing this evening?
1: Good, Tim. Good to be here.
2: Well, thank you for coming back on the show. A well, lot's happened uh, the past couple of weeks. Uh, first, um, well, one thing, we apparently have a bank panic that's spreading or maybe not, whatever it is, we can talk. Perhaps talk about that later on in the conversation. But um, recently, you've written a lot about um, what's going on with uh, the FBI and Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. Apparently, uh, something we've known for the longest time is that there is a there is an alliance or a a, a a connection between the Federal Bureau Investigation and the SPLC, and something we suspected with Antifa, this sort of this interstate terrorist. Domestic terrorist operation, which seems to have the good graces of Merrick Garland's um, Department of Justice, and then we had that uh, spectacle in Capitol Hill with J- uh, Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley, grilled Merrick Garland for for the actions of FBI, particularly regarding Mark Hawk and his uh, he accused Garland Garland of going after Catholics. So I'll let you take it from there.
1: Yeah, well, I uh, I was intimately involved with this whole thing from the beginning. It began when. Uh, the uh sam francis died there was a memorial at the press club in washington uh friend griffin friend of his uh organized it and she asked me to speak now that was odd in a way because i could think of a lot of people who knew sam better than i did but she wanted me to speak uh, and probably because she knew what i was doing at the time i was right in the middle of writing the jewish revolutionary spirit at that time so i got up there and I gave a talk in which I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's not black or white, it's religious. And I said that uh, we have uh, the the fundamental element is the triple melting pot, Protestant Catholic Jew. Sam uh, was a conservative until he got kicked out. And then uh, William F. Buckley. Uh, when William F. Buckley got him kicked off the Washington Times and then he became a white boy because he went through an identity crisis. He didn't know what else he was. He was from the South where that had meaning. Uh, He didn't go to church. uh, And so he didn't have any other identity. And so I started by saying, you know, I remember, Sam, I was at a a conference he gave with uh, Mr. Tyndall, the founder of British Front. And uh, Mr. Tyndall was going on uh, about Uh, How what a wonderful thing it was to be a white guy, and as proof of that, he mentioned Elizabethan England. And at that point, I I looked at my friend Jerry Bruin, uh, and he looked at me, and the same thought occurred to both of us, which is basically, wait a minute, isn't that the time when you got drawn and quartered for saying the mass, uh, and and uh, hanged uh, if you were a Catholic? And so when the question period came, uh, Jerry said, "Are the Irish?" white and Mr. Tyndall was annoyed and he said of course the Irish are white my mother's Irish and at that point Sam said are Jews white and that's how I began the talk and as soon as I said that you could feel this tremor go through the the room uh, it was being filmed on the C-span and then as I went on and on and on everybody got more and more upset uh, until finally taki cries out we're all going to be arrested. And the lady who was in charge ran over and told C-SPAN to burn the tape or whatever it was. Well, that was... uh, There was a a lady in the audience and the lady was Heidi Byrick uh, of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Mm -hmm. And Heidi was completely... I think she was completely dumbfounded because uh, she obviously went there because she was trying to fur out some type of racial narrative. And I had just completely confounded the racial narrative, much to the consternation of everybody in the room. And so she didn't know what to do. She she remained silent for about a year trying to figure this out. And then she came out with an article in which she said that I was uh, red-faced and shouting. Well, Heidi, tell them, what, tell them what I was saying. Don't just talk about my face, handsome as my face is. I was red-faced because they had TV lights on, and it was really hot in that room, and I was sweating like a pig. But anyway, and then she came out with this list of a whole new gambit here for the Southern part of the Old It was Catholics. We have to worry about Catholics now. They're going to, they're all a bunch of bad people. They're all anti-Semites. And she published a list and I was on the list. And nobody on that list had anything to do with anybody else on the list. It was completely made up. It was completely a function of Heidi Byrick's overheated brain. And a lot of people were upset. You know, especially being associated with me, the the list was created to turn it into something bigger than it was, but it was there just to get at me because I had said that, uh, given the thesis of the Jewish revolutionary spirit uh, at the at the talk. Well, okay, that was a big deal, uh, and then it was forgotten, and then all of a sudden, there's a whistleblower in the Richmond office of the uh, FBI. And it turns out my name, they, they have the list there. And the, the whistleblower makes it public. And suddenly the big question is, is the FBI going after Catholics? Well, this happened at a time when, yes, exactly. That's exactly what they were doing. And the the big case at that time was Mark Halk in southeastern Pennsylvania. So he's a right to lifer. Twenty-five armed officers with drawn guns show up at his house, terrorize his family. Uh, for something that didn't even rise to the level of a misdemeanor under the Soros prosecutor larry krasner who is certainly pro-abortion so this is way uh overreaching really overplaying your hand and then it came to the attention of uh, ted cruz and uh, senators ted cruz and josh Hawley of missouri and they called merrick garland in and they started to grill this guy and of course uh, he looked very uncomfortable because he he, he tried to distance himself, saying that was indefensible the memo. But the fact of the matter is, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You were in bed with the Southern Poverty Law Center. You got in bed with them, and they were telling you uh, uh, who you should arrest. Uh, and 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 uh, so why would why did that happen? Well, they got out of bed with the SPLC by the time the thing came out, but they're still in bed with the ADL. And so Josh Hawley is grilling him and saying, do, do, do you go after Catholics? So, good, good. We're back in the ballgame now. We're, we're starting to talk reality here. This is not black-white. This is Catholic versus what? Liberals? Catholics versus uh, people from Northern Virginia? What, what's the what's the other side of the equation? Well, uh, Josh Hawley couldn't, couldn't say. He couldn't even say the word neoconservative. I mean, everybody... <laughs> everybody can say the word neoconservative. You know, all of the uh, analysis of guys i respect uh, uh of the Ukraine war, they all use the word neoconservative. Colonel McGregor uses it regularly. It's a euphemism for Chew, even you, Bill you, Crystal knew that.
2: They even say cabal, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a canard. Isn't that a canard? So anyway, uh he he missed an opportunity uh to do that. Uh so At that point, it looks as if the story's dying, and then there's a riot in uh, Atlanta, and the police arrest uh, a bunch of Antifa uh, rioters, terrorists, and it turns out one of them's a lawyer for the Southern Poverty Law Center. So this is now (laughs) God's hand in this thing. We're bringing out the story here. The story here is that it's Catholics versus Jews. That's what this battle is about. That's certainly what the abortion battle has always been about. And Josh Hawley can mention the fact that there's Catholics uh, being persecuted here, but he can't bring up the fact that uh, uh, abortion uh, is a Jewish sacrament. He should have said at this point, uh, Mr. Garland, uh, do you believe that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value? Does that color your ability to enforce the law in this country? Now, that would have been really interesting. And, of course, the ADL would have gone ballistic at that point. But uh, so that that's what had to happen. But it didn't happen. OK, but God's not going to let this thing go. He's always providing ammunition for Catholics who are too stupid to use it. But so what does two days after uh, Merrick Garland gets grilled, in front of the Senate uh, committee. He shows up in the Ukraine, and he has his picture taken with Mr. Zelensky. Well, wait a minute. What's the Attorney General doing in the Ukraine? Don't we have uh, a State Department? Well, well, yeah, we do. It's, it's even run by another Jew, Anthony Blinken.
2: Yeah. yeah, they got that covered, too. So well,
1: I so, <laughs> the, so what I, uh, the most recent thing I wrote is I went back to that article that they did in Jerusalem Post and said they're full of enthusiasm. You know, the, the Jews love these moments. Uh, Biden could have a minion. He's got so many Jews in his cabinet or in the West Wing. Well, there's Merrick Garland Uh Going to the Ukraine, acting as a faux secretary of state, uh, and there's uh, uh, Anthony Blinken, who is the secretary of state, and on the very day that China pulls off the coup of the decade, the diplomatic coup of the decade, by uh, brokering a peace deal between Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran, Merrick Garland hands out Woman of the Year Award to a man from Argentina. <laughs> yes, And you can watch it. It's really funny to watch. Or Blinken,
2: Blinken did that, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Blinken did that. So what's that got to do with being the State Department? And he kissed
2: kissed him. Had to kiss him on the cheek.
1: (laughs) You could see this guy was (laughs) nature will out, you know. And Blinken has had a kind of shudders, a a shudder of disgust, as this big dude with the blonde hair, kind of looming over everybody in the room, you know, uh, tries to give him a hug and a kiss. Well, what's that got to do with being secretary of state? Nothing. So what what are we, we're starting to see a pattern emerging here. Okay. And to complete the pattern, we have uh, Janet Yellen. Now, Janet Yellen is uh, head of the secretary. She's secretary of treasury. And uh, so uh, we got bank problems. They're right around the corner. And what does Yellen do? She goes to Ukraine too. And she gets her picture taken with Zelensky. Well, is there a pattern emerging? It's all three of these people are Jews. All three of these people are completely incompetent in dealing what they're supposed to deal with. So you have Merrick Garland can't enforce the law unless he's punishing someone Jews don't like. Uh, Blinken can't negotiate. <laughs> That's just, the first qualification is he's a Jew. The second one is he doesn't like to negotiate. He gives ultimatums, and as a result, we have this war in the Ukraine, which could have been ended by negotiation before it started. And now you have Janet Yellen giving Mr. Zelensky $1.3 billion of money that uh, we apparently don't have. Should have been working on the bank crisis. So this is the problem here. The problem is you've got this uh, basically Jewish cabal, there's that word again, running the Biden administration, and they're running it in their interest. This none of these the other thing that these people have in common is that they don't they have no idea of representing the interest of the American people. And I'm saying they're constitutionally incapable of representing the American people because they're Jews and Jews don't do that. They don't do that. They don't. They don't represent the Goyin. They represent their own interest. And this is precisely the problem that has followed Jews throughout their entire history in Western countries, uh, uh, throughout Europe. They were never citizens, never, because the kings, princes, whatever, understood that all they would do would represent their own interests. They would help their fellow people, fellow uh, uh, Jews, uh, loot the economy, things like that. Uh, uh, they wouldn't prosecute them when they committed crimes and so on and so forth so they can't be citizens you can't give these people any type of political office because they won't use it now the tr- that tradition ended with Napoleon who needed Jewish support to attack Russia he had to go through the pale of the settlement he did their support and so he granted them citizenship uh but, but not before he asked them are you willing to die uh are, are you willing no I think he put it are you willing to serve? Uh, the French nation, without reservation. And the Jews all cried out with one voice, mort, uh, unto death we are ready to do this. Well, that was a joke. So uh, by the time Napoleon got back from the Battle of Jena, he was uh, coming to uh, Strasbourg and uh, stopped there. And everybody's complaining. Within that short period of time, the Jews were already going at it, exploiting the, the native population. So I'm saying that, uh, you know, God provides this for a reason. We have to have the eyes to see what is going on so that we can draw the the conclusions. And I'm saying, uh, what conclusion do we have to draw here? You can't allow Jews to serve in government. You can't do it. When when are we going to learn this lesson? I can hear the the shocked expression uh, coming up from the audience at that point. But you would give give me a better explanation. Is there a lesson to be learned from the Biden administration? Is there a better lesson to be learned from this? I don't think so. I think that this is precisely the problem we have now. We don't have representative government anymore. And the decline of representative government paralleled exactly the rise of Jewish influence in our country. There's no way to get around. And on top of that, they have pursued policies uh, that are de- have been had devastating effect on the morals uh, and, and the social order of this country. Abortion, for example, transgenderism, all, all the uh, pornography, all of these things that you had to keep in check if you wanted a, a sane, uh, functional, viable society. They've all been swept away. And now you've got this crazy cabal of people who are driving us to World War III. That's not an exaggeration.
2: Yes, you can. Um, there is a a, uh, a coincidence, if you will, of decline and Jewish um, ascendancy, both cultural, financial, political. Um, you can America's cultural and moral decline has followed along with Jewish ascendancy and it's in their influence in culture and entertainment. Uh, you could say the economy and finance, as, as the um, Jews have become more influential in the nation's finances. Yeah. What, one of the things yeah. we have to
1: pr- t- point out here is that the sanctions office at the Treasury Department has always been a Jewish operation. Mm-hmm. And they have used that to loot countries for their own benefit. And I, and I mentioned one of the articles I wrote of the uh, one of the guys who was still involved there is Stuart
2: Eisenstadt. Mm-hmm. He he didn't he loot the Swiss banks in the nineties or something.
1: Yeah, that's exactly oh. what he did. So it was it was a, in conjunction with the Holocaust narrative. Really? So this yeah that,
2: it was, oh 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 that again.
1: <laughs> because because it, it, the looting started right after this book, uh, Fragments came out. Fragments was a book by a. A, band, a man by the name of Benjamin Vilkomirsky, tragic story of a little boy in growing a little Jewish boy growing up in Latvia, and then the Nazis come and his family is broken up. It, it was just heartrending to, to read the story, and it also was completely phony and completely made up, which is exactly what happened to the Holocaust narrative after Steven Spielberg did Schindler's List. After he created the uh, Shoah Foundation, where anybody could show up and tell you any crazy story, no matter how uh, uh, ex- uh, crazy it was, and he would record it and it would become part of the archive. So it turns out that Benjamin Zilkomirski is not a Jew from Latvia, he's he's a Christian from Switzerland, and his name is Dosecker. And it's, 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 they made it up completely. And so now you have uh, what this brings up the interesting question of Holocaust denial. Which is a a that was confected by uh, Debbie Lipstadt, who is also a member of the Biden administration. By the way, uh, both Eisenstadt and Lipstadt are in charge of going after a Holocaust uh, denial or Holocaust uh, spreading of anti-Semitism stuff like that. So Gosecker's uh, memoir, phony memoir, uh, put the uh, Swiss on the back foot when the United States, when the Jews basically came after them.
2: So a and discredited so, book, a book of fiction becomes the backbone for this legal case, this extortion racket.
1: Right. So so what's the crucial connection? Well, the, you the term Nazi gold. As soon as you define the issue as Nazi gold, you won. And so it ended up that uh, the Swiss I was there. I was hanging out with a lot of Swiss people at the time and they were all angry and no one could articulate the problem. No one could identify the problem. And when some Swiss uh, legislature came close, he was forced to apologize because he he said, was Auschwitz in Switzerland? And (laughs) the, the Jews came down on him like a ton of bricks and he had to apologize and they had to pay a lot of money. And it went to the World Jewish Congress, I believe. I think that they were the bag man for this extortion caper.
2: Wasn't the case that there are some accounts that were unaccounted for? It just presumed they were Jewish because they're unaccounted for or something like that. It
1: was all. Look, first of all, the Swiss made uh, settled these accounts right after World War II, And mm-hmm. the uh, and uh, Eisenstadt collaborated with Alphonse D'Amato, who was the secretary uh, senator from New York at that time. And they just ignored everything. And the point is, I'm getting back to the point. You can't ignore everything if you're a Jew, because all you have to do is invoke the Holocaust and the other side loses All you have to do is say Nazi gold, and you get the newspapers to repeat it, and you win. And that is how, basically, Eisenstadt used the offices of the Treasury Department to fill the pockets of fellow Jews. That's what's going on. It's still going on. Now it's Zelensky. You know, they rush over, the Jews rush over to fill his pockets. I don't know where that money goes. Nobody knows where that money goes.
2: No there's, you know? no, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, uh, there's no accounting of where it's going. In fact, they, even, no. they 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 explicitly kept it out of the out of the spending bill. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so you're, and so we have to just get on board here because this is this is Winston Churchill, Zelensky's Winston Churchill, and this is democracy, and it's a, a all of this stuff is the narrative, and we're winning anyway. And just send a few more uh, uh, bombs and we'll, we'll shoot. Well, that's all collapsing now. So what you're saying now is, okay, guys, you're the ones who put everyone up to this Ukraine caper. It was a Jewish operation from the beginning with Victoria Nuland orchestrating the coup, uh, appointing one Jew after another to find that they had Zelensky. And now you have Blinken and Winken, Blinken, and Nod supporting uh zelensky and siphoning money off into that black hole where nobody knows where it goes you know and and you're supposed to be uh, this is an issue as if uh, you're not a patriotic american unless you support this jewish looting operation well i'm sorry that's got to stop it's got to stop and i think these people are going to bump into a large chunk of reality which is known as the russian army they're not going to win they're going to lose this war. God knows what's going to happen at that point. Uh, but the 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 organs of the propaganda organs like the New York Times and the Washington Post are already backing away. And there are going to be people who are probably saying, no, I never supported it, really, uh, and so on and so forth. But it's up to us to learn the lesson here. And unless we are, can articulate what's going to go on, we're not going to learn the lesson. And the lesson is, do not expect Jews to represent the American people. They are constitutionally incapable of doing it. Constitutionally.
0: I'm
1: sorry. I just like to say one more thing. Then the place we have to start. Let's start gradually here, but let's eliminate all dual American-Israeli citizens from government tomorrow. That's not. That's not hard to do. You cannot be a dual citizen. That should be obvious to everyone. Because you're not serving the interest of this country if you're a dual citizen with Israel. End that right now.
2: Well, this is a problem created by inherent, inherent to Zionism itself, meaning that Jew, all Jews uh, are uh, uh, theoretical citizens of the Zionist state, Israel, so they have a dual loyalty sort of baked into their identity, at least you know since the the founding of Israel and just before when that 19th century ideology. It's it's a, it's just Jewish nationalism that developed in the 19th right. century. A lot of other nationalist ideologies at the time. Um, right. A lot of Jews that opposed it, from what I understand, it wasn't tradi- right. there's no traditional Jewish thought to it. It's just I think it's Rothschild British geopolitics that that fed it. You know, emphasis on Rothschild at that point because of usury and the Jewish takeover of the British Empire through financial chicanery, but primarily usury. Right. that's an important factor here, um, but yeah they they they're, you're saying they're constitutionally able to represent the nation itself sort of the the civic nation the the creedal nation of America because their their primary identity are not Americans or U.S. citizens it's Jewish identity and of course that identity uh, as you write about in the in the Jewish rev- revolutionary spirit is inherently subversive and anti- antithetical to the host culture and so they as long as their identity is Jewish um as understood in your book uh they're not capable it, it, you, know, you know in the main in in serving uh the united states primarily in fact you know when you say dual loyalty i think joe who once quipped that dual loyalty would be an improvement <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know
0: <laughs> uh
2: it's a little you're giving yet you're extending an olive branch you say dual loyalty here um and that, that of course that was illustrated uh uh i think most uh Clearly, in the um, in the the uh, the pardoning of of of, of um, Jonathan Pollard, absolutely,
1: yeah, absolutely. Now look at look at uh, Trump. He did everything the Jews wanted, and they turned on him, mm-hmm. and including uh, he alienated the entire military establishment when he pardoned uh, Jonathan Pollard. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were dead set against that. He was supposed to die in jail, and Trump just countermanded that. Get let the guy off, okay. The guy, uh, Sheldon Adelson's plane shows up. Oh, wait a minute. Are, are we seeing a pattern here? <laughs> Sheldon Adelson flies him to Israel. He lands there. And guess who's standing on the tarmac? Benjamin Netanyahu, that the, the prime minister of Israel, our best ally in the Middle East, welcomes him with open arms. And then two weeks later, Jonathan Powell gives a speech in Israel saying, it's the Jews' duty to betray the country he lives in. Well, how's that for gratitude, Jonathan? Listen, are, are we too stupid to learn the lesson here? What, you have to be really stupid not to learn the lesson that the Jews are trying to teach us here.
2: Well, if you consider, I think the top 10 donors to the Democratic Party are Jews. Top eight to the Republican Party are Jews. And that's why foreign policy is uh, controlled by Jews. Yeah, let's mention domestic policy, Minister.
1: We have we have a country where uh, money talks. It's the only value that mm-hmm. anyone believes in, uh, and so the Congress is totally controlled by by Jews, totally controlled by the the Israel lobby. And so the question is, when this whole Ukraine operation goes belly up, when NATO collapses, uh, and I, I think it should collapse. I I will be happy when it does collapse. But when it collapses. Uh, Who's going to be held accountable? Who's going to be held accountable for the mess that this country is in now?
2: The military industrial complex.
1: Well, somebody they'll probably cook up. If they own the media, they will cook up somebody. It's like it's like uh, Seymour Hersh's article on the pipe stream comes out. Mm -hmm. And with and within uh, a month, we have the real story, which is it was uh, a bunch of Ukrainians on a yacht. (laughs)
2: Yeah, this a on, thousand, a lark, a, on the lark, on the lark, they went out there. <laughs> yeah,
1: and and they they held their nose and they jumped in and they swam down two hundred meters and they, you know, it was. What are you kidding me? This this shows you how the decline that has taken place over this period of time. There was a time that was published by the New York Times.
2: This still doesn't. I mean, even that narrative has its problems because then you have Ukraine, a, a, a supposed ally or. a Vassal of the United States, attacking a NATO, still attacking a NATO ally, NATO at- a NATO member. Yeah. So we're not Ukraine is attacking NATO, a NATO country. It that means we should, doesn't look art, good. Art,
1: article Five: We can attack Ukraine now. Yes, or that, Germany can attack the United States. Either way, but uh, this cannot go on.
2: Well, they, go I mean, obviously, these institutions don't serve their their uh, their advertised mission. They're just c- cover for this stuff. So when we point out these the uh, these hypocrisy or inconsistency or corruption uh, you're not going to shame them <laughs> but yeah it's uh, um, but yeah the uh, uh, getting back to the issue again of, of the, the the Jewish role in all of this is um, uh, again what, you can't look at what's going on and say this is in the best interest of the American people. Uh, since when has foreign policy ever been you know carried out in the interest of the American people? Uh, I, I can't think of a time in the 20th century <laughs> where U.S. foreign policy wasn't controlled by some special interest and in, since the, the 1920s. The Achilles, yeah.
1: the Achilles heel of the United States uh, has been uh, de facto separation of church and state. When that's not really what it was, but it, that, that letter of Madison got resurrected by these uh, uh, WASP elite guys. After World, after World War Two. Oh, you mean that, you mean Je-
2: you mean Jefferson? I'm
1: sorry, Jeff- was it Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jefferson's letter to the uh,
2: Dan uh, Burry. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's there, but but when you do that, if you you eliminate the contribution of religion, uh, the state religion, you eliminate the uh, moral back fiber, the moral fiber of the American people, and when you eliminate that, then money determines everything. And that has been the Achilles heel of America. Money determines everything.
2: yeah, yeah. it's uh, that sort, yeah, it's dollar democracy. There is an interesting case. and and of course, you create a vacuum, the vacuum is filled by something, of course. then it, it's filled by by, you know, you could say secularism, which of course, which is serves the uh, interest of of Jews. There's an interesting case I just read about in um I think it was in Pennsylvania. A high school had a after school Christian group. And there was a Jewish teacher there who didn't like it. And so instead of just uh, openly opposing the Christian group, he decided to start his own after-school Satan group. And (laughs) uh, the school said, no, you can't do that. These
1: Jews are giving Satanism a bad name.
2: (laughs) But then here's the trick here. He tries to start this group, and the school shuts him down. No, you can't do that. It's not genuine. And the ACLU steps in. Uh, they haven't protected anyone's rights lately, so they figured they'd step in here, and uh, they they threatened to sue them. And the school, in order to avoid a loss, just canceled all all groups after school. So the Jewish teacher got his wish; he got rid of the Christian group. Right. And with within that vacuum, what's gonna what's gonna fill the vacuum? You know, it's the same uh, strategy of Leo Pfeffer, right? Very similar.
1: Yeah, sure. That was exactly the strategy behind uh, the school prayer decision, Shemp versus Abington School Board. You, you basically uh, p- plead, uh, you're, you're a, 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 a minority whose rights are being infringed upon, you hurt my feelings when you do this, and you capitalize on the American sense of uh, justice, fair play, whatever it is, tolerance, and you institute this, and then the Jews take over, and then they persecute the very people that they were uh, pleading for tolerance for. Uh, so that, that's what has happened. That's what has happened. It would be stupid uh, on our part to ignore the reality before us. We've got it. We've got to simply end this this uh, era where you can't even mention these people's names. You know, well, you, can't, yeah. you can't hold them yeah. accountable for anything. Can't we hold this? The Biden administration is it anti-Semitism to criticize the Biden administration. Well, well yeah, because according to ADL, Semitism, it is. It is. Yeah, anything, anything that they don't like is anti-Semitism, but that's got to stop too.
2: Did you see that ADL tweet? Uh, I think it was Greenblatt who accused Donald Trump of being anti-Semitic when Donald Trump said we have to root out, uh, what, uh, warmongers? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I forget the other two. But all these derogatory names, and so that's anti-Semitic. What anti- yeah. are, are you or saying, warmongers
1: mongers?
2: Yeah, anarchists or Jews?
1: Are, is is war a code word for Jew? Is that a dog whistle, Jonathan? Yes. Or or the guilty flee, where none pursueth, here. Yeah. So uh, everybody, uh, like Jeffrey Sachs, who was a Jew, by the way, but has now become the anti the the anti war guy, apparently in Europe. Uh, gave the history of the Ukraine exactly the same thing.
2: Mm-hmm. and he
1: should know because he was involved in it exactly the same, but uh, but it's never you never mentioned the, the Jewish uh, factor in it because uh, maybe it's invisible to Jeffrey Sachs, but it's not invisible to everyone else and and nothing's going to change for the better. This is the only way if if you're talking about representative government, this is the opposite of representative government. And if you want to bring back representative government, you're going to have to rein in the power of Jewish money. It's that simple. There's no other way around it. Well, you, you can have to start you, with George Soros, maybe, but you've got to do that.
2: Yeah, you have to. Uh, uh, like uh, you said, you have to first admit, uh, acknowledge the category. If you don't acknowledge the category, you won't be able to deal with the problem. Right. You know, and you have the rally of Jewish, uh, you know, organization of uh, of the Jewish people organizing with these various and these groups do have addresses and names and. I mean, there are as many as four hundred organizations identifying four hundred Jewish organizations advocating abortion, right? And and demanding that that we accept you know their values on that issue, even though yeah. they're just they're a distinct and minority. So,
1: so you say that, and someone will say, "Well, I know someone who's pro-abortion, and not Jewish." Well, that doesn't that doesn't change the the argument here. This group, of course, there's never there enough Jews to do anything, anything. You know there weren't enough Jews in in uh, in the Soviet Union to uh, staff all of those offices, but uh, they had crew. They, they were experts at uh, command getting the commanding heights and the choke points under their control. And from that point, they could terrorize the entire nation. The Cheka is a classic example. The extraordinary committee to combat terrorism and counter revolution was founded one month after the November Revolution. So December of 1917, they ha- create this terror organization that whose job is basically to terrorize the Russian Russian people. And they found out that, that this is Barrow of Salon, uh, who uh, is a Jewish historian said basically uh, they couldn't get jews to do this because jews would not torture uh, i'm sorry russians they couldn't get russians to do it because russians would not torture other russians so they got jews and latvians mm-hmm. to do this well that's what are the successor the successor that is the adl that's the modern-day Cheka, the southern poverty law center they don't have the power to take you down the basement of Lubyanka and shoot you in the back of the head but uh let them go in this direction they will eventually
2: and well, they will do it. It turns out that the SP- SPLC is involved in witness intimidation. And Merrick Garland is an investigator. That that came out in the um in this case with uh, Douglas Mackey, aka Re- Ricky Vaughn. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a Jewish case actually. Um Yeah. And so they're intimidating witnesses and that's a Jewish organization. They're in, they're calling up and threatening witnesses. And then um uh, so there's that, um, and of course you alluded to it earlier. This uh, the riots down in Atlanta with the SP- SPLC and the, the attorney for the SPLC being caught up in that. So now we have a situation where the FBI has been working with an organization that is tied to a um, uh, you know a, a domestic terrorist operation, which, which is Antifa, which is probably again a a, a, a proxy for. Uh, well for the fbi they're there to you know they're, it's almost like um something that you might have seen in, in in 1920s germany or something or 30s germany well that's
1: when it got started it did yeah. get started in germany at that time and it was a yeah. jewish operation uh, at that time and it's retained its jewish roots
2: now but it's, there, but, but it's there but but it exists for political terror doesn't it i mean that's yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean this was real this was yeah. real during the whole uh, george floyd episode when the law the law enforcement was not taking place because she had Soros prosecutors who were basically not uh, the police were not answering the calls of people who were uh being threatened mm-hmm. you know so we so they're incapable of, enfor- of enforcing the law even handedly that that's the whole problem with Soros prosecutors isn't it you know that, we've already identified that. This is what Newt Gingrich was on Fox News, and he said George Soros, and he got shut down. He wasn't allowed to even say that word, where he tried to talk about Soros prosecutors. So we've already established that it's a problem. And now you've got uh, Murray Garland uh, in charge of law enforcement, federal law enforcement, with exactly the same problem.
2: Aren't there you know? 10 other pro-life pro life uh, activists who are, who are on trial now for that same FACE Act violation?
1: Yeah, there were. they. I yeah. think there are ten try or nine, I heard nine tri- man. Well, maybe with uh, Halk it was ten. But no one mentioned the other nine uh, pro-lifers who were being prosecuted. But those are equally that,
2: equally uh, r- 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 absurd and, and outrageous. Right. I, at least what I've read about. It. I read the article in uh, March uh, Culture Wars about the, the, the Hawk trial, Mark Hawk. And it was a, a wonderful sort of examination of, of the personalities involved in it, particularly the women in pantsuits, <laughs> yeah, because it gives you the psychology of these shock troops. Now they're hiring uh, guilt-ridden, deranged women right. to Absolutely. enforce the law. Yeah,
1: and that's a fundamental issue that we have to understand to explain. So w- w- these are uh, a lot of them are Catholics, Catholic ladies, Uh and how do you become a Jew by having an abortion? It's a fundamental Jewish value. It's also this the sacrament of initiation. Uh, for you becoming a Jew. And how do I know you claim you're a Catholic, but how I know you're a Jew? Well, you vote like a Jew. And that's why Josh Shapiro is uh, uh, governor of Pennsylvania right now. That's, I, I now I'm, I I have to give a caveat here. It may, there may have been voter fraud, but mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can explain this simply without uh, the uh, appealing to voter fraud, because Pennsylvania, the, the swing vote in Pennsylvania is always the Catholics. Mm-hmm. And why would a Catholic vote for a Jew who made a name for himself by persecuting the Catholic Church when he was D.A. in Harrisburg? Well, because of abortion. That's why abortion is so important to the Jews, because that's how they get that's how they created feminism. And that's how they get. That's why it's important for the Democratic Party. It's a huge constituency in the Democratic Party. Probably replaced workers.
2: It also explains their sort of irrational Emotional and irrational response uh, to uh, Mark Hawk, uh, who is simply there. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's doing sidewalk counseling and trying to save lives, and he has no ill will towards those going in. Actually, his utter compassion for them. He's doing, but their reaction is so telling because, uh, uh, again, the case was so absurd. Of course, there's no accountability. For the um, Justice Department, or the, or the agents and the, um, the the officials who were prosecuting this case, it was obviously malicious prosecution. There should be an oversight hearing, and this should head should roll on it. But that's not going to happen. Uh, no,
1: not when Merrick Garland is the head of the Justice Department. That's why he should not be there. Mm-hmm. That's why he should not be there.
2: Well, yeah, he lacks the temperament, and also I I think that the the, the proper. Love of country and patriotism because he's obviously he he feels a greater affinity to who to like someone like Zelensky over there in Ukraine. He
1: obviously. (laughs) Two days after Josh Hawley, he's in the Ukraine. What's the Attorney General doing in the Ukraine? Well, he's he's going to have Nuremberg war crimes trials. That's what he had. So uh, once again, it's the Holocaust narrative. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that makes everything possible. That's the thing that makes it. Oh, suddenly it's plausible that the attorney general is in the Ukraine. Uh, Oh, the Holocaust. Oh, okay, that makes everything plausible.
2: So to see envision United States like conquering, totally conquering Russia and putting all the Russian leaders in the the dock and and, this is absurd. Torturing witnesses. This is even (laughs) this is even more.
1: This is even more absurd than the yacht that the the Ukrainians sailed to to blow up the pipeline. It's absurd. They're not going to win. You got to win the war. This is victor's justice. That's what everyone said about the Nuremberg war crimes trials. Mm -hmm. It was victor's justice. And it was a Jewish operation. 80% of the Jews, 80% of the lawyers who came back to Germany were Jews. They spoke perfect German because they had lived in Germany, and they were looking for revenge against the helpless, at this point, the helpless German people. It was a scandal, a scandal, and, and the biggest scandal was that they used the veneer of law to uh, facilitate this Jewish revenge on the German people.
2: Yeah, but that's the importance of controlling the narrative because they can just invoke that name and most people think justice was uh, served at Nuremberg, you know, you know the, the popular view of it. That, it,
1: you it, it, it once, you, once you bring that up, like, it was like the lady in Canada, you know, the Jewish member of parliament. She opens the discussion... Uh, by saying, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. Well, at that point, you just better shut up. (laughs) And then she says, Hong Kong equals Heil Hitler. Well, the only reason that she didn't get laughed out of the parliament is because she announced that she had relatives who died in the Holocaust. So she can say anything after that. Mm -hmm. And you have to accept it. And if you don't accept what she says, you're an anti-Semite. This is the terror that we all live under right now, right now.
2: The Yeah, of course, the American Garland bothers to mention that he had relatives. Either he died or survived the Holocaust.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Why are you attacking Russia? Wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Didn't Russia uh, liberate Auschwitz? Didn't the Russian army liberate Auschwitz? So why are you mad at the Russians now? Well, because it goes back uh, deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it goes back to the pogroms of the 1890s. Uh, when some Cossack, you know, chased your grandpa out of the tail of the settlement, or something like that. They never. It's so it, once again, government is being used as a vehicle for Jewish vengeance. That is precisely what was going on at the end of World War II, precisely with the Morgenthau Plan. And at that time, we had adults in the room who simply pulled the plug on Morgenthau. Stimson, uh, Patton saw saw what was going on. Um, who was the uh, Cordell Hull? All of these people were Christians in some sense or other. I don't know whether they went to church every Sunday, but they had this residual Christian consciousness, and they knew that taking revenge on a prostrate enemy was wrong. And they saw it in practical terms as well, because uh, if we keep doing this. The Germans are going to welcome the Soviet army with open arms as a better alternative to the Americans. And some people even say that was a uh, Harry Dexter White's plan. Mm. Harry Dexter White is the guy who wrote up the Morgenthau plan. He was Morgenthau's assistant. He was a Jew and a commie. So some people say that was the plan, but that was certainly what was going to happen. But my point is that there were enough adults in the room to say no. This is Jewish vengeance. This is Semitic vengeance. We're not going to let you people wreck our foreign policy with your 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 twisted uh, lust for vengeance. And they took control, and the Morgenthau—I'm uh, sorry—the Marshall Plan replaced the
2: Morgenthau Plan. And then at that point, the assassination started, right? <laughs> well, I think I think Patton was murdered. James Forrestal. Pardon me. James Forrestal is another one who opposed I that. think
1: so. I think yeah. you can make a case for that. Strong I think
2: case that, with uh, Kennedy, both Kennedys I too. Think,
1: I think both Kennedys. I think that Robert Kennedy certainly antagonized uh, the Jews when he was in uh, office. Uh, he also antagonized J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, yeah. He, he, <laughs> he walked into his office with a, a dog and he said to Hoover, I hate faggots.
2: And then he walked out. <laughs>
1: I don't know why. What, what's that got to do? I, uh, but, well, that uh, is,
2: that, that, that's how the ADL took over the FBI, right? I think
1: so. I think it's pretty yeah. clear the ADL had pictures of J. Edgar Hoover in his pink yeah. nightie, and they blackmailed him, and he was the master blackmailer, but he was nothing compared to the ADL, and that's how they basically took over the operation and used the FBI to go after people they didn't like. That's what happened at that period of time.
2: So, it's so not, char- nothing, character assassination or actual assassination, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, Kennedy, uh, first of all, he went after uh, the mob. He went after Mo Dallitz in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that was the beginning of Las Vegas. Mo Dallitz left and went to uh, Las Vegas. He was going to, uh, 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 Meyer Lansky was the guy who bankrolled Las Vegas. This is all part of our cultural history appointed bugsy siegel to uh, build the place and then had bugsy siegel rubbed out because he didn't like the way he was doing that that was one angle of it uh, kennedy also went after a guy named ginsburg ralph ginsburg for pornography well the, you know you're you're really creating a lot of powerful enemies when you do this he had this residual sense Oh, but let's not say residual. He had the sense that this is a Catholic Jewish battle and I can't say it. You know, nobody can say it, but damn it, I'm going to do something about it and they'll know uh, who's boss here.
2: Well, then, there then, was a time people did kind of talk this way so in these kind of honest ethnic terms, and perhaps we should, if we return to that, we could get somewhere with, with dialogue. But everyone's yeah. afraid of talking about that. You talk about an yeah. in, in article about R- R- Ratzinger about the, the Catholic Church and how its inability. To confront the jewish question because of its uh since 1965 and you know uh and nostra Aetate. it was and, a disaster disaster
1: yeah. for the church and and we're we're seeing the fruit of that right now with the german
2: episcopacy I the implanted know you, guilt yeah the implanted guilt of you know, the, yeah.
1: yeah and so i don't know whether you saw that interview with uh bishop betzing
2: no i didn't okay well anyway
1: he's he's there um and there's a german uh, reporter interviewing him and the reporter says well basically uh homosexuality is uh, not allowed by the catholic church and bishop Betsing says you had this we're going to do it okay and then he says but even the pope's against it and Betsing says we <laughs> says it again this is like pure nietzschean will mm-hmm. coming from the mouth of a catholic bishop and then he says it the third time and then he says oh the Belgians did it and we're going to do it too this is this is crazy crazy and and these people uh apparently I've heard someone say that uh, Cardinal Burke is going to wants to try these Bishops for heresy something something should happen here now uh, with Francis in Rome uh what should happen is the entire episcopate should be the entire country should be put under interdict mm mm-hmm. Which is a kind of receivership, you know, like when the school board went bust in Philadelphia, when they were incapable of running their own school, the state stepped in, took it over, and then restored it to some type of financial viability. Well, the same thing has to happen in Germany. So I recommend bishops from Uganda uh, to become, now this, I can hear the white boys screaming. (laughs) I can hear them screaming already. You know what I mean? Because I've been down this road with the white boys, but there's one thing you can count on, when it comes to Ugandans, and they don't like homosexuality.
2: Oh, sorry, didn't they? Don't they have martyrs there opposing it? Like
1: the, the Ugandan martyrs, yeah, are that their shrine is in Uganda. That is the religious center of East Africa. So if you're Kenyan, you're Tanzanian, you're Rwandan, you go to the the, the shrine, the, the shrine of the Ugandan martyrs and everyone understands that sodomy is something that is you have to die rather than submit to that well what happened now now i mean i had this discussion with uh with general uh father lang and i were talking about the legacy of the uh francis papacy like what happened over those 10 years well there was a changing of the guard uh when i when it, when he first became pope i i was uh introduced Father Langan introduced me to a man in the State Department. We had a conversation. He put my uh, talk, my position on usury, into the encyclical Laudate C. Si. So I was enthused. I thought, "Yeah, this is good. We're moving away from. We're too close to the American Empire." And then there was a changing of the guard, and basically now you've got the uh, editorial staff of America Magazine running the church, the entire Catholic Church. Yeah. And they sent Francis. I can't believe this. I mean, I don't know whether they sent him, but I can't imagine why would Francis go to Uganda and tell the president of the of Uganda that he has to strike down laws criminalizing sodomy if James Martin hadn't told him to do it. I mean, that makes no sense.
2: Is that the biggest problem? Is that the biggest problem in Uganda? Is there anti-sodomy laws?
1: Why did you do this? (laughs) This is absolutely crazy. Yeah, of course the guy just laughed at him. All all you all the Pope did was destroy his own authority by being a messenger boy for, for James Martin. This is this is crazy. This is the you know, unfortunately, it's the church we live in, and that's precisely why nothing's gonna happen uh in Germany. Isn't uh, aren't the
2: Jesuits funded by the Open Society Foundation or Soros? Or yeah,
1: something? they get they get about six million there. Uh, Jesuit NGOs get like millions of dollars from the Soros. Yeah people. They are the chaplains for
2: the oligarchs. Yep, yep. Now you mentioned usury, of course, and before I let you, I want the, the, this bank crisis factors into this, this, uh, 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 this Silicon Valley bank collapse, and now a lot of this is this the uh, uh, result of a, a state-sponsored usury? Because debt and bonds factor into this, and right. the fact that the uh, the banks the uh, I guess, bad position was created by the Fed raising interest rates, which they had right. to do to tame inflation, but not, since they're taming inflation, they're also killing the asset bubble, among which is the treasury bonds. Of course, treasury bonds prices are falling. Yeah. and you had to run run on this bank with deposits because the bank was too cheap of paying depositors interest. So the, the depositors went to depositors went to other banks. So now you had you had a, a bank collapse. So what what right. you take in all this?
1: That's exactly right. That's the systemic problem. You put mm-hmm. you hit the nail on the head. Uh, okay, now that is uh, there's ja- Janet Yellen. I, I I got people tell me maybe I said it maybe I was hallucinating but Janet Yellen did not raise interest rates the Fed raises interest rates Mm -hmm. okay but Janet Yellen's there to tell the Fed not to raise them that high so quickly that is her job you know and this whole fiction of an independent Fed is is just that it's a fiction so okay they raised it they devalued the bonds which were the main uh, capital foundation of the capital of the banks and you create not only do you create a run on the bank but you your assets just de- de- depreciated by 40% because of uh because of the higher interest rates you get on the new tranche of uh, bonds so yeah that's part of it but then again we got this other part as well and it turns out that the israelis were looting the bank uh before uh before it went bust transferring billions of dollars out of the bank that's in uh, uh an israeli newspaper uh if the the footnote is in the article which will appear in culture wars mm-hmm. and so now you got um uh, again can we expect a jewish attorney general to go after jewish financial crime i don't think so
2: i'm not holding my breath
1: i'm not holding my breath either because this is the classic C- criminal this is classic jewish criminal activity now other jewish criminal activity like abortion or uh uh pornography well when they solve that problem by making it legal but now mm-hmm. you've got financial crime so uh this mr uh bankman fried uh gets himself extradited and now he's uh under going to be tried by judge Kaplan in manhattan well <laughs> don't hold your breath waiting for you know Bankman Freed to end up in Alcatraz. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. The same thing happened with Jeffrey Epstein. It was a Jewish judge who gave him a slap on the wrist. And then the ADL gave the uh, lawyer that got him off the hook, gave him an award. And then the whole thing, you know, then it got worse. And then they just pretended it didn't happen. So that so we're back to the same problem again. you you got the Fox watching the hen coop. The Jewish Fox watching the uh, in charge of enforcing banking laws when the main criminals. In this instance, in these instances, were, were Jews. This was a Jewish Jewish operation, siphoning off money, insider trading, all that type of stuff.
2: You also have a situation where I, I was reading a uh, barren metal and you were talking about Keynes and talking about when the the ending of the the, uh, the gold standard, uh, I guess, um after World War One, no, try- yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah,
2: yeah. Cain, and- we we call him Keynes. Keynes.
1: We we people who studied at Oxford call him Keynes. His Wayne idea canes. of the
2: economy being run by, I guess, experts, technocrats, if you will, guided by certain principles. But when a self described a moralist. Homosexuals running your financial system, you're gonna run into problems. And that it's funny. Now, I don't know if that really factors greatly into it, but it is interesting that a lot of these banks are so-called woke banks. meaning mean, they're they're funding all, all the transgenderism, perversion, degeneracy. You had the uh the story of the uh the lady who was in charge of risk management in Europe was a uh was gender fluid, apparently. She's yeah. and then you you have the US um you had Credit Suisse recently collapsed, was bought up by uh, uh UBS uh but his the head of global investment was a guy who changes sex from day to day. Right. You well
1: know? bankman free gave Free gave a lot of money to the Democratic Party mm-hmm. uh to ensure that he would not be prosecuted. I mean why else were, you, were are you doing that type of stuff? And also you want to uh foster the, the Jewish narrative. In this in this instance it's transgenderism. It, it's the Holocaust. It's you know it changes according to time, but you foster that narrative to give yourself uh, the aura of moral superiority,
2: but at the same cool. time, you you're, uh, you advertise yourself. You're actually divorced from reality by promoting okay. these things. I mean, you don't believe any firm well, that, reality. So that's
1: that's the that's the fun. that's why God created war, <laughs> because that's a reality. And there, at a certain point they're going to have to admit that they lost the war. You know, uh, the propaganda yeah. is not going to succeed. That's why I'm saying that that Russia is the uh, the scourge of God. Luther used to refer to Islam as the the Paicha Gottes. Uh, This is when when you get so out of line with reality, God will enter and he will bring reality to bear on you. And that will be uh, the cunning of reason. And uh, sometimes that's the only thing that will work. So, you know, they should have uh, abandoned NATO in 1989. That, mm-hmm. was, that was, I think that was God's will. I think I can safely say that that's God's will because that would have led to peace. And God believes in peace. He doesn't want war. He wants peace. And because they didn't, who didn't do it? It was the neoconservatives. Everybody says that. Jeffrey Sachs says that. Colonel McGregor says it. The, mercur- the two Greeks, they always, they always use the word neoconservative. But no one's saying that it's a code word for Jews. And so as a result, you can't make the connections you need to make in order to bring about a course correction, which is necessary now. It's necessary because they have led the country to the brink of nuclear war. They have ruined so many institutions, and we have to put an
2: end to it. Well, that's what that's what that's what uh, Hutz was all about. It's like, not knowing when to stop. Right.
1: You don't believe in limits because you don't believe in logos.
2: Mm-hmm. And this is why they create banking crises, and then they uh, all the financial chicanery to profit off it. And uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. I, I guess our shortcut would be say uh, we don't don't trust them in these positions, and see uh, see what happens. I look, puts...
1: I I I know it sounds it sounds awful to say. That. I don't know what other what other conclusion can we draw from the the absolutely abominable behavior of the. Biden minion. Mm-hmm. What other conclusion can we draw? It's not just one bad apple here. It's systemic. It's constitutional.
2: Well, you can ask the question: Have they um, exercised their inordinate power responsibly in the past sixty-seven years in the West? Has the economy improved? Has, has U.S. finances? Have they balanced the books? Is is American culture healthy? Did they did they use the privilege they that was given to them in Hollywood? Has that been used responsibly? Are they promoting moral, responsible behavior? And I would say if you're in the business of promoting immoral behavior, you're ultimately in the business of destroying the country because, as, as John Adams said, no constitution can function outside the existence of immoral people. Right. If you're, you're in the business of, of, of making people immoral, the system will collapse financially, right. culturally, politically. That's what we're seeing.
1: That's no. time to learn that lesson. Yeah. Nobody you, believed it. We had this illusion in the Catholic Church of Catholic Jewish dialogue as if that were going to bring something good about. That's a failed experiment. Yeah. We have to take stock and we have to just throw this, you know, cut our losses. Well, we're you not going to do that again.
2: You can't promote in, internal chaos and call it liberty and expect to maintain pu- uh, public order. No. So if you're, uh, you know, taken aback by the anarchy all around you, things to be falling apart, that's because they they've been uh, you know pushing this for sixty seventy years, unopposed because of the Holocaust narrative, right? Because you're right. an anti-Semite if you call out their abuse of power, which they if you
1: question any Jew in office, yes. you're an anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. If you hold any Jew accountable, it's a function of your rabid anti-Semitism. Well, this has got to stop because look at where it's led us now. We are on the brink of catastrophe. We're going to have to break this. We're going to have to break the Jew taboo. We're going to have to talk about Jewish influence and somehow rein in the power of these people who have the power to ruin your life if they don't like you.
2: Yes, yeah. I just read an article Heidi Beyer, who was on Occidental Review about a lawyer who was defending dissident activists. He was just defending them, and he got him fired from a city job for just for doing, I think, it's pro bono work. Yeah. yeah, and that type of ter- uh, tortious interference—that just, I mean, that's just—it should be criminal. And I think it is at least illegal, just that no one's there to, you know, uh enforce it.
1: Why hasn't anyone prosecuted the Southern Poverty Law Center? Well, because we have a Jew who's the attorney general, and they don't prosecute people like that. Jews do not prosecute Jewish organizations, they will never do it. You
2: no, know, they're they both individuals, because you know, better one man die than a whole nation perish, right? Yeah. So you'll have yeah. a Harvey
1: Weinstein uh, yeah. periodically, okay. But uh, Harvey Weinstein died for the the greater the greater good of the people, namely Hollywood. So he saved Hollywood by taking uh, one for the team.
2: Yeah. So, well, uh, I said I'd have you for an hour. I'm tack I think I've taxed you enough for the evening, so I'll let you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Thank you for coming you. on the show. Uh, of course, oh, Culture Wars. Right? culturewars.com
1: culturewars.com All of my books are available there. Uh, Culture Wars magazine. You can subscribe there and get the full version of all of the things
2: that we discussed uh, tonight. Excellent. Well, thank you for persevering tonight. Thank you for having me. Good night, then. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.